All right. Time for a Miami Sports Pod for this week, and it is a week in which the Miami Heat have some of their bigger games of the season, the playoff race. Will Manso, and it is just Doogie Lang today. Clay Ferrero, is he, is he at the happiest place in the world? Is that where he is right now? He's not at March Madness. He's at Disney. That Yeah, well, happiest place in the world should be Orlando, where UCF got robbed. Had a chance to win a, a game against Duke, advanced to the Sweet 16. They should have, but awful calls down the stretch. As Duke, you know, always gets the benefit of those calls, was victorious. I'm sorry, did I just say that out loud? Survive in advance. Yeah, survive. Steal in advance. That's what they did. <laughs> Steal and advance. Yeah. That, that's what they did. Win's a win. Oh, that, that is true. A win's a win. And the Heat have been getting a lot of those wins. Not necessarily stealing. They're earning their wins on Lake Duke. But what a <laughs> when you look at the Heat now, and this, this one hit me over the weekend, I have been one because I follow the Heat so closely and I cover their game so much. And I, and I truly am, aside from covering them, a fan. I mean, I like to see the Heat do well. I try to calm myself when they're playing well, not get too caught up in it, knowing that, look, without a superstar, and we've talked about it at nauseum, we understand the Heat aren't a championship contender, so it's not like we have to really preface it with that. But I think sometimes people say, oh, you're just a homer who thinks they're better than what they are. I know what they are. But what they've been now, Dookie, in the last 12 games and in the month of March, so while we tape this, 12 games in the month of March, the Miami Heat are 9-3. and three. There's a flip side to that, though. 9-3 and three is impressive. The three losses have been two to Milwaukee, one to Toronto, and neither <laughs> neither of the games have been close. So I'm either saying the Heat have finally reached their high point where they're a pretty darn good middle-of-the-pack team that can beat a lot of teams except the elite, but the problem is with less than 10 games left in the season, the team that they face in the first round is going to be elite, and they're going to lose badly in the first round even if they do make the playoffs. So I guess my question is, how do you kind of balance to what you've seen in the Heat in the month of March? Well, let's... Let's look at both sides of that equation, okay? Let's start with the positive. In general, and this applies college, pro, you want to be trending in the right direction as the season progresses. Agree. It often takes a coach several months to figure out how to best operate their team. Especially with this kind of roster. And a lot of times, teams have to deal with injuries throughout the year. They have to deal with poor play. They have to. There's a lot to deal with for a coach to till the middle of the season end of the season where coach goes okay i know this team Mm -hmm. i know the rotation i want i know where i want the ball in given situations i know what defense i want to play in given situations and i think and i I actually texted you this morning about it because it was something i was thinking about i think the trade deadline and getting rid of tyler johnson and getting rid of wayne ellington not to say that they're bad players but i think having fewer choices has made Eric Spolstra a much better coach. It's like when you go to the buffet and there's too much to pick from and you don't know what to do versus someone gives you a small menu. Okay, you, you, got, you only have a few choices I'm getting here. the steak and that's it. I'm that's it. With that. and, yeah. I, and I think that I think that by narrowing down, you know, we, Pat Riley talked about that log jam. We've talked about that log jam. But I think in the last month, what mm-hmm. I've seen is they don't mess around. There's a couple guys that go in there. There's a couple guys who can shoot. There's a couple. They have their young lineup. They have their bench. Plus... Goran Dragic is healthy, which I don't think you can overstate. So I think before we go into what they do against the better teams, I think they need to be given credit for the improvement during the season. I think, to your point, they have found their best team. They have found, and to Eric Spolster's credit, he does this every year. Spo is one of the best coaches in basketball for many reasons, but one of them is he always finds a way to have his team playing their best basketball at the end of the season. 
You saw it a couple years back with the 30 and 11. You saw it the year that they made the charge, you know, before then where they got to the playoffs and they made it to the second round, almost got to the Eastern Conference Finals. We even saw it last year as they played well down the stretch, solidified a playoff spot. Again, lost in the first round, but got to the postseason. I think we're seeing it. I think the biggest thing, and look, it's not a coincidence, and you mentioned they have their young lineup, they have their veteran lineup off the bench. That is the biggest difference. Eric Spolster finally figured out, after all the in and out and, and, and trying to keep everyone happy with managing minutes, which is very difficult for an NBA coach to do to 10, 11 players in a rotation, he finally figured out, you know what, I can't worry about this or that. I know who my best players are. I have about six or seven that are really go-to guys in on this type of team. Not superstars, but guys that can get done. But in the clutch moments, I'll have these key guys in there. But to start, I like the energy of the young guys. The biggest move he's made was putting Bam in the starting lineup. The Heat are 14 and 6. As you and I talk on this pod, the Heat 14 and 6 with Bam at a bio in the starting lineup. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that's a fluke stat. I think the Heat are better with his energy, with his defense, with his all-around game from the start. And I think, if anything, it motivates Hassan to make the most of whatever minutes you get. For instance, he had a double-double the other night. I think it was 14 and 10. In the one win, in the one game uh, against the Bucks, the game they lost. But then he came back and he played just five minutes in the next game. And Spo has said you got to maximize and make the most of your minutes. Hassan is doing that, whether it's five minutes or twenty-five minutes. It has all come together in the last month because of it. I think the level of buy-in that you need from a team to make that work. Hassan is not traditionally a player who is known for having a great attitude. He's mm-hmm. not, no, whether right. fair or unfair. As much talent as he has, one of the reasons that he was a journeyman before finding a home in the, with the Heat is because of that. Now, he's a complicated guy to understand. A lot of it stems from wanting to win and thinking that he is one of the best ways to win. But to get Hassan to buy in to sitting behind Bam, you need Hassan. And the other thing you need is you need Bam to ball out. You need Bam to improve. You need Bam to prove that he is worthy of starting. And if Bam is playing great, and Bam almost put up a triple-double on Saturday night, if Bam is doing that, there's nothing Hassan can say. But I think... Well, there's a lot he could say. But he's choosing not to. But I think underlying all of this, and th- again, this is just my perspective, I think the entire organization has an awareness of this being Dwayne Wade's last season. And I think that there's a leadership aspect Mm -hmm. and there's a respect in that locker room where they don't have time for foolishness right now. Dwayne Wade, as we record this, has nine regular season games left and X amount of playoff games, if any. And I don't think that he's going to suffer that sort of nonsense. And I don't think that the play... I think there's so much respect for Dwayne in that locker room and around the league that nobody's going to bring nonsense and ego into his last dance. I I really think that the players are respectful of it, mindful of it. Every road arena they go to is clapping for him. There's a, there's a Jersey swap. There's, there's these huge ovations. And I think there is through all the guys, they're Mm -hmm. trying to play up to the standards of this is a hall of famer. This is a legend. This is our franchise's guy. And, we need to treat his last run with respect, and we need to try to win. And and okay. I and I think, and and he's not just like a token of a of a of a of a legend who's just going out there and waving. He's playing great, you know. The, I forget which game it was, Will, but after the game, Spo basically said, "Yeah, I played him thirty something minutes. What am I saving him for?" And I think Dwayne is sort of just letting it all out and. 
he's still really good. I mean, that's that's so I, I, I think the combo of the goodbye tour with Dwayne still having it because all the guys could respect him. But if he if he didn't have anything left, I don't think it would mean the same thing. I think they want to try to get a playoff run with him. Yeah. And, and look, and I think the guys are playing for Dwayne and there's this this overwhelming feeling of respect, admiration and love. And also the understanding that with every game, you know, you mentioned under 10 games left as we speak, and you are in the nitty-gritty of the of, of the the playoff push. If the Heat falter and don't make the playoffs, the abruptness of, yeah. that's it. That's it. Dwayne's done. That's a, His incredible Hall of Fame career, the greatest player of all time in Heat history is done. It's, it's just too abrupt of a feeling for anyone in the organization to accept. We all know he's retiring. We all know this is it. But the finality of the playoffs is different. That's where Dwayne made himself, right? I mean, it's funny, we talk during now during the NCAA tournament we're talking. And NCAA tournament is when Dwayne first came in, in the big moments. That's like, you know, your championship-type moments when we first saw Dwayne, the triple-double against Kentucky. Then he comes to the Heat, and within a year or two, he's having these clutch moments, and by year three, he's winning four, he's winning and championships. You, you could see it. That Kentucky yeah. game, if if you were if you're old enough to remember that Kentucky game in the NCAA tournament, playing for Marquette, who wasn't now Marquette is well respected, well known basketball team. It's all because of Dwayne Wade. Nobody knew who Marquette was. Nobody knew who Dwayne Wade was. They knew who Kentucky was. And they knew what a triple double was. And that performance, he yeah. showed he showed it right there. And. That was like the seeds of everything well, that we've seen here in Miami. And when you see it now, I think the players, to a man, they've said, I've heard Dion mention it many times, and I think Spo says it, you know, I'm just trying to savor this and enjoy. They want this for Dwayne. And what's been fun about this run, you know, we talked about the young guys moments ago, is that Dwayne is playing great basketball. I mean, Dwayne is is having those moments not forced. He's making spin moves at the basket. He had a dunk the other day, a one-handed throwdown off a great pass. You see him getting loose balls and diving to the ground. I mean, Dwayne is playing more now than he did at times during the Big Three era. Remember the whole maintenance plan? And they, you know, and we see it a lot now with great teams like Golden State. They just, you know, you're just kind of coasting in the playoffs. I get that standards are different, but it's incredible that Dwayne, outside of the birth of his daughter and missing those games when when he went away for her birth, Dwayne has missed one game. He's missed, he's missed the, he was in Memphis. Remember in Memphis he apologized because he just he needed a night off. I mean, he's been playing every game at a high level. By the way, speaking of high level, our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money in a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida, the best service. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Which brings me to the next point, Dookie. Is the Heat in position to make the playoffs? I don't think anything has changed from the from the idea that the Heat are going to lose in the first round. I would love to sit here and be a homer and to point to reasons why I think the Heat can make noise against a Milwaukee, a Toronto, or a Philly. But we're not going to kid ourselves and do that, right? I mean, if they win a game or two in the playoffs, it's it's probably more than anyone expects them to. I think most people on the outside expect that if they make the playoffs, they're getting swept. Um, you just hope you have that one moment with Dwayne at home in, like I say, a game three when they come back and he has a great performance. And maybe if you lost a game four, it was a close game. Sort of, I hate to say, like last year's playoffs against Philly, Dwayne single-handedly won you a game and almost won you a second game against an ascending Sixers team. You know, it's one of those things where sports are such such a cutthroat, you know, black and white, win or lose type business. But... I think one of the meaningful things of this playoff push 
and you you know you reference the Big Three era. The thing about the Big Three era is the Heat didn't care about where they were seated. So the season for the Heat didn't start until the playoffs. No, the sure. Heat knew they were getting the playoffs. They knew they were a one, two, or three seed. They knew they had LeBron. They knew they had Wade. They knew they had Bosch, mm-hmm. whose jersey goes up on Tuesday. And so the regular season was just kind of, you know, it was a thing. I mean, they won 27 straight games in 2013. It's not that they didn't try, but it was one of those things where, okay, wake me up on the play. There was a little bit of wake me up on the playoff start, right? I mean, that's what's going on in Golden State right now. That's what's going on in a lot of cities of of the top four or five teams. Okay, but for Miami right now, we are getting 70 meaningful Dwayne Wade games. Every one of these games is important. Saturday night, second night of a back-to-back against Washington, who's no good. It's not one of those games where you're like, hey, yeah, whatever. No, that game matters. That game is the difference between being half game up or being a game up. Tuesday night against Orlando, who, as we tape Sunday, is a game behind the heat. That is the most important game left on their schedule. So these are meaningful games. So whether they have success or failure against the top half of the East, and most likely it's going to be failure— at least we're getting this because there is the 2019 season and then there is the big picture of the franchise. And I think the more educated fans understand the difference between the two because the overall picture of the franchise is this. After 30 and 11, the Heat signed too many contracts that ultimately turned out not to be the right ones. Mm -hmm. So now, before they can strike again, And it's pretty clear, and Pat Riley has made his intentions very clear, that they will strike again in free agency, making a splash, doing something big. Before they can do something big, there's going to be another year or two of this, of being okay, of being middle of pack in the East, and of trying to shed payroll and get their salary structure right. And I think that whatever happens this year, there's probably going to be another year or so of that. And at some point in the next year or two... The Heat are going to do something really, really big, and the standards are going to change. Yeah, but I, the I, standard right now, and Eric Spolster wouldn't say this to you. Eric Spolster is the standard is to win every ball game. But the reality is that for fans, if you if the Heat get the eighth seed, and if the Heat end up playing the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the Heat go into Milwaukee, to expect the Heat to beat the Bucks right now is as silly as it would have been for the Bucks to expect to beat the Heat when the Heat had LeBron. The heat, remember the Heat used to no, sweep. I get it. I get it. So, they swept the Bucks when they met. I think the bigger picture too is, look, there is a general feeling of positivity right now with the franchise in the sense that the young guys, Justice, Bam, Jay Rich, have all made strides. Early in the season, it was Jay Rich, right? Or Jay Rich was he's becoming a go-to guy. He's leveled off a bit because I think that was unfair to think he's going to be the go-to guy. But when you when you're struggling and you don't have much to look up, you know, early in the season, you look for any positive. Jay Rich was a positive early. Then Gorn goes down for three months, and Justice all of a sudden just takes that point guard road, uh, role, and he's the positive. And now in the last month, Bam has taken the starting yeah. center job, and yeah. he's the positive. Derek Jones Jr. in between all of that with high-flying dunks has been the other positive. So when you look at the biggest thing of this season is Dwayne, always. But the biggest thing post-Wayne is what's left. And when you look at what's left, the young guys developing this year is a big step moving forward. Because let me tell you something, there's going to be a hard reality coming next year, no matter who the Heat draft, if they end up not making the playoffs and they get lucky and they get a top 10 pick in the lottery or they even get lucky and they get a higher pick, or whether they're in their teens, like where it seems they're going to be picking somewhere in that range. The bottom line is this, there's going to be a harsh, cold reality that Dwayne Wade's not coming back. And when Dwayne Wade isn't there next year, 
I know we've been through Dwayne Wade leaving, but it was a little different before because Dwayne Wade was still in the league. There was that little hope that maybe one day they reunite. That's it. Dwayne's retiring. He's not coming back. And that that will be, unfortunately, a lot of the focus of next year. You have to enjoy these moments. Next year, it, it, you turn the page to those young guys. I don't know what's going to happen, but I will tell you this. It's going to be weird not having Dwayne around. Not just to bail you out, but to give you that that culture that you hear so much about. Dwayne epitomizes that. Him and UD. And if UD goes ahead and moves forward too and he retires, my goodness, the heat of the, the face of the Heat franchise for the first time in 15, 16, 17 years will not include Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam. That's a, that's a weird thought. The Miami Dolphins still haven't really recovered from Dan Marino no, they retiring. Haven't. They haven't. I it's mean, true. My I, first year of the league was my first year of the league. My, my, Marino's last year of the league was my first year at Channel 10. That was 20 years ago. Uh, and I remember that last year. And I remember all the craziness at the end where Dan was talking about playing somewhere else. So he ended up retiring. And, you know, you were sad. You knew that it was over and the community was kind of down about it. But, you know, you figured, okay, we're going to find somebody else. 20 years later, they're still looking. And you know what? 20 years from now, he may still be looking for the next Dwayne Wade. You just don't know how things turn out. doesn't mean they won't be competitive or a solid team at that time. But Dwayne was the starting force to bring a championship and eventually three championships. And you need to have that big piece before you get the other pieces. And we don't know when that or if that will come anytime soon again. The Miami Hurricanes in 2001, they had that huge run, the 80s, the 90s. They had that great team. Still waiting. I mean, the, uh, th- my point is these things are just not guaranteed. Dwayne Wade's don't fall out of the sky they don't. They don't very often. Right. And so I think it's very unfair. I think we preemptively should structure it to say it is unfair, no matter how much promise a mm-hmm. Justice Winslow shows, no matter how much Josh Richardson flashes, no matter how much potential Bam Adebayo has, no matter how cool it is when Derek Jones dunks, they're not Dwayne Wade. They're not, and, 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 and they're not getting and, Dwayne Wade in this draft, by and, the way. As Dwayne, much as I want to yeah. pick that pick 15 or 18 now, is a good spe- pick. Speaking of the draft, if if you were the Heat and somehow they miraculously ended up with the number one pick, would you take Zion Williamson or John Morant? For the Heat, I would take Zion Williamson. I think he's the perfect – He's the, the and you and I have this discussion off camera. I think John, John, John Morant has put himself in the conversation for a – for sure, a top three pick, most likely a top two pick. But I think if you're in a, a top pick in the a tip team in the NBA and you have a big, we talk about Phoenix, for example, if they win the draft lottery. But I think you, know, you got to look at him, Morant. The guy is the ideal NBA player. You know, you look at the t- players that have made the most noise. You look at a Luca. You know, you look at what he, the impact he's made over DeAndre Ayton. You you look at those guys. Size and strength is great, athletic ability, but. The ability to do it all in, that, in, in the game now is, is a value thing. John Moran's going to be a superstar in a top two pick. Could very well be the first pick. But I think, to me, Zion Williamson belongs, he belongs in a New York, in a major market, in a Chicago. Like, that's where Zion Williamson belongs. Because I think initially, I really do, I think initially, Zion will probably struggle a bit in the NBA. When I say struggle, I think to think he's going to come in and be a 26-10 and 10 guy in the NBA, it, this NBA is just, it's its a—it's not a forgiving league. Let me tell you, the, the, the amount of guys and the bodies and the strength and the athleticism he'll face night in and night out. But I think that star power, that, that name and that charisma that he has, such a likable star personality, belongs in a big market. So, if, yeah, look, the Heat aren't getting Zion Williamson. Let's no, just be honest. Probably they're not. not. They're, they're, they're not getting By Zion the way, Williams. nobody's passing on him in this draft. 
Um, I, there's not there is not an NBA GM who could survive passing on Zion Williamson. No, I mean that's because silly. I mean, the, the people pass on players every year. There, you could. Yeah, that's true. There are look, people who I mean, pass look, on Michael you Jordan. And I, you and I had this conversation. Is Zion Williamson better than Luka Doncic? I, I don't know. I, I would take Luka right now over Zion Williamson, but Zion Williamson could end up being a superstar. But there were people that are saying, how the heck did anybody pass on Luka Doncic in this draft? Yeah, that but, was a mistake. But DeAndre Ayton's turned a nice play for Phoenix. Trey Young has been phenomenal now for the Hawks. That The bottom line is this. John Morant, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, those guys are probably going to be, in the next 10 years, three of the top 10 players in the league. This, this draft reminds me, you know, we mentioned Dwayne Wade, just to kind of tie it all together. This upcoming NBA draft reminds me a lot of the of the LeBron, Dwayne, yeah, Bosch I don't think this is draft. a Michael Jordan, Sam Bowie type of conversation. I, I think no. I, 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 think, I think, these, think this is like this is a, this a, is a really, really good topic. That's of why the when draft. people talk about this draft that just passed, they talk about oh, can you believe they gave up Luca? Yeah, I loved Luca from the start. I would have loved Luca. Luca comes to town this week. He by does. The way. But but Trey Young has has been phenomenal in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. He's right on Luca's heels, rookie of the year talk. And DeAndre Ayton, while he's not the sexiest pick in the NBA, is not really about big men as much anymore. He's putting up 16 and 10 or 18 and 10. I mean, those those aren't exactly bad numbers for a rookie in the NBA. So I think that, you know, we have this conversation. The reality is if we have a conversation 365 days from now, Zion Williamson is probably going to be a very productive player's rookie year. Sean Morant's going to be a productive player. R.J. Barrett, I don't think any of this will matter. I just think it's the fit on a franchise. But there's no doubt that star power-wise, Zion comes with that cachet. He comes with the name and the charisma that I think would be great in a big market. So... We we tallied off there into the Zion conversation, which brings us to the uh, the best. There's no comparison to our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you, there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera kind of like me with GMC Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida, the best service. Vera kind of like me with GMC. Vera kind of like me with GMC. 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Finish your thought on the heat. You mentioned the big week, uh, Luca in town Thursday, the Chris Bosch retirement ceremony Tuesday, uh, a trip to the Knicks, who could be Zion's home next year, over the weekend, some games against Boston the following week. This is the stretch run of not only Dwayne's career, but of the Heat in their playoff push. Now that they are 9-3 in March, now that they seem to have the rotation fixed, now that Spo seems to have an idea of the units he likes to start and close, you think the Heat's a playoff team? I think they'll get in. Yeah, I I do. I think, I think, just you look at the schedules. I think a lot, I th- especially if they win Tuesday against Orlando, that they get that cushion. They get the biggest head-to-head. game of the year. Absolutely. That, that if they get and and it's interesting that they're retiring Chris Bosh's jersey that night. So there's going to be all the emotion yeah. of CB being back and him and Dwayne and reflecting on that era. And that's the type of thing that sometimes can propel a team. And so. Yeah, I, I just think they're playing good basketball. I mean, are they an NBA? Are they playing at a Golden State Warriors on all cylinders level? No. Absolutely not. But they are playing on a Miami Heat on all cylinders level. This is the best they've played. Um, best I could put it. Here's how the best I could put it. And I think you'll agree. The Heat have I think separated themselves from the bad teams. When there was all this talk about tank and stuff, I, I never bought into it. And it wasn't because I'm a homer. It's just because I saw too much talent for a team to be that bad. To tank, you got to win 18, 20 games, 25 games at the most. You, the, the Heat were never going to be that. I mean, you look at the worst. There is such a separation from the middle of the pack of the NBA to the top of the league and from the middle of the pack of the NBA to the bottom of the league. If you look at the standings, it's ridiculous. You have some really bad teams, a handful. You have some really good teams. And then the whole team, the whole rest of the league is kind of in that middle ground. The Heat have been in that middle ground. But I think if anything in the last month and this, all these changes have taught me is that the Heat are one of the better middle-of-the-pack mediocre teams. 
but that's not getting you anywhere in the playoffs. Well, that's actually what Pat Riley said. Riley didn't talk much this year, but right before the Family Festival, Riley basically said, there's six teams that can win the NBA title. There are six teams that are not going anywhere, and then there's everybody else. And we're in that. And, and the thing, Riley said we're in that, yeah. The thing about being in that that I think is different now from the beginning of the season is that when the Heat are facing teams who are on that bottom six, they're taking care of it. Yeah, well, look at, look and, at the and last I think, month. Yeah. They, 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 they just annihilated the Pistons. They yep. beat Charlotte twice in big games. You know, they played tough. I mean, they, they've won some games, too. They shouldn't. I mean, the Golden State game was a crazy win. Uh, they played <laughs> other games tough. The Houston loss was a brutal loss with James Harden scoring, whatever, what he scored, 50, 60 points, whatever it was. He had that crazy game. I mean, the point is the Heat have taken care of business now better. You know they have. They, yeah, early and, and, the and they I were think, losing and to the Hawks team. Now they were beating the Hawks and the Bulls. You that's know? how you get. That's how you get to around five hundred or a little bit above five hundred where you need to be. You take care of the game. Okay, so if you go to Golden State, that's probably a loss. But if you go to Sacramento, I know they're a little better this year. But whatever. If you if you find oh, yeah, you gotta, when when you hit the weaker spots, you just gotta when you go to you Phoenix, you gotta win that game. That's and why the long, Orlando and, game is so big, right? And that's why the, and Orlando is one of those teams that's kind of right there with them. It's concerning because Orlando tends to play them so well usually for whatever reason. But this is the type of game where if you're gonna be a playoff team you got to beat Orlando at home when you retire oh, Chris yeah, Bosh's yeah. jersey. And, and, it, and you, so as long as they can take care of that game, mm-hmm. I don't... I feel good, too. Yeah, I, I... Now, if they lose that game, all bets are off, and then, then you just start enjoying Dwayne and, and whatever it may be. But I think for this team, given the way they started, given some of their inconsistencies, given some of their injuries, like you said, given some of their growth, mm-hmm. um, I think you would have to say that that the team is trending in the right direction. And I think the pivot point was the trade deadline because I think the team was meandering. I think the team was cluttered. I think there were flashes of development, but it never coincided. So Bam was never playing well at the same time that Josh was playing well. But all of a sudden, once they cleared up just a little bit of room on that bench, I feel like it just started working. And And the question is, next year, before they're able to add... A superstar, mm-hmm. and make no mistake, they're going to try to add a superstar. Can the young players who have shown those flashes flash at the same time? Yeah, because if that's... if if they can do that, if if they stop becoming flashes and they start becoming just how they play, if Bam is just a good starting big who can bring the ball up, who can pass, who can finish near the back, if he if that's who he is, if Josh becomes a consistent scorer, if Justice plays that sort of unconventional point guard position, if Derek Jones is that high, if they all can, if that becomes their identity mm-hmm. rather than just sort of peak moments then the Heat have a pretty darn good foundation from which to go from the middle of the pack to a better team. Then you just need to add superstar and, and, yeah, and, and I, that's it. I think that's what, you know, as we wrap this up, I think the reality is this. The Heat, if anything, this year, they've given us two things. Number one is Dwayne's last dance. And as man, has it been enjoyable. The Golden State buzzer beater, all the great uh, scenes on visiting uh, uh, visiting arenas, uh, you know, opponents' arenas with the fans waiting in the autographs, the jersey exchanges. There have been a lot of cool moments, and there will be more. There will be, hopefully, into the postseason, there will be more Dwayne emotion. Uh, But the improvement within of other guys as well, the young guys we mentioned, it's about as good of a heat season as you could have expected with this roster. Anyone that expected more was probably fooling themselves, and anyone that expected a tanking team, I think equally was probably fooling themselves. In the end, enjoy the final week or two of Dwayne as far as the regular season. Hopefully we get to have some fun and have that push into the postseason. But the Miami Heat right now, I think we can all agree, no matter where you think they're going, 
playing their best basketball of the season in the month of March, 9-3 to start the month and right in the playoff race.